all stuff tonight I cannot rationally explain with a natural cause. Hey, this is Unrefined Podcast. I'm Brandon Spain, your host, with co-host Lindsay Waters. Welcome to another episode. Hey everyone, we have a great show for you today. Uh, we have a paranormal investigator, Ron Riley, who's we thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, man, it was a fun conversation. Uh, it was an interesting one. It was our first yeah. guest from Mississippi. That's neither here nor there, but yeah. it, you know, it, it ought to go without saying that we don't agree with every single thing that is said by every single guest we have on here. But we're 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 going to say that anyway, just so that we're clear. Yeah. But overall, yeah, I think uh, he's one of the premier paranormal guys like this that that I actually could agree with a lot of his a lot of his stuff. Oh, you yeah. know, but. But we had, you know, yeah, even the whole view of the demonic, you know, we differed and stuff, but it was still a, a great conversation for us to, you know, agree on what we agree on. And and like I always say, eat the meat. Spit out the bones. We hope and pray that you guys enjoy this podcast like we did. Hey, 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 everybody. We have an awesome guest today with my co-host, Lindsay. Yep. I'm here. I'm looking forward to this episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yep. He's here. And an old friend of mine I've been friends with probably since first grade, a guy named Brian Riley, who is a paranormal investigator extraordinaire. And uh, we have him on the show today to just take a deep dive in all things and just going to be a lot of cool stuff, paranormal investigation and just ghosts and entities. So we can't wait to dive in. If you want to, Brian, say hello to everybody. Hello, everyone. My name is Brian Riley. I'm the founder of Mississippi Paranormal Society based out of Vicksburg, Mississippi. Yeah, Vicksburg, Mississippi. That's our hometown. So let's start off. Brian, will you tell us what got you into paranormal work, you know, and, and all this kind of stuff? Well, I think for the most part, growing up in Vicksburg, we always had ghost stories, haunted locations around us. Yeah. And that was very interesting. Um, Cedar Grove Mansion, Duff Green Mansion, McRaven Tour Home. A lot of really neat, interesting places. I had some experiences whenever I was in my late teens. That just really made me question things. And I started doing research. And later on, I would get into actual paranormal investigating. You want to talk about any of those things? Are there anything you'd like to share? Like any kind of interesting supernatural experiences you'd like to share there? That got you into it or are they personal? Uh, I'll talk about one of them. Um, okay. 
I was actually staying with my grandmother about a year after my papal died. And this is up in Holly Bluff, Mississippi, which is up in the Delta. Yep. yep. And one night, I guess it was about two o'clock in the morning, I get up, had to use the bathroom. So I walked out of the guest bedroom and I turned to go down the hall to the bathroom. And I saw a small figure come out of the bathroom and go into the master bedroom. Of course, I went into defense mode of my grandmother and I was mm -hmm. like, oh crap, somebody's in the house. Because it was just she and I. My mm -hmm. papa had died the previous year. And I rushed down there, going to her bedroom. She's snoring up a storm. And I look around, nobody else is in there. And I was like, okay, that was odd. Yeah. And I had already, by that time, started researching. And I, and to my memory, it was like a dark shadow. Didn't look like a full body apparition of somebody. It was just a shadow. Just a freestanding shadow. And it walked from the bathroom to the master bedroom. So I You said it was small? Yeah, well, he was a short guy. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. so he, I was like, okay, that's weird. And I was like, could be, you know, something, you know, related to ghosts. Never had any other experiences there. And I was like, okay. In my research, I started to find out that there was something called a residual haunting. And that's whenever something plays over and over again. It's like a psychic imprint on time. Some people will call it placed memory or stone tape theory. But it, whenever the weather conditions are just right is what we have figured out through investigating. These things of the past just play over and over. Come to find out, my papa, he would always get up early in the morning and go to the bathroom and return to bed. So I kind of figured, you know, that is probably what I saw. Because uh -huh. whenever I saw that figure, it didn't even acknowledge me. Oh, wow. So there was no intelligence yeah. behind it. It just followed the path. Lindsay, what have yes. we been calling that? We've been calling that something like what, a quantum echo or something. Remember we were talking about yeah. it when we were talking about doppelgangers. That, yeah, that sounds like Sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, we, but yeah, just made, almost more like a. Yeah, it's an imprint. Like a movie play or a movie yeah. play or something. Or a record player. You know? Yeah. Like, you know, how, how they put indentions in the records and, and then the audio plays because of the indention or imprint on the record player. Right. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Keep going. So you have. Residual hauntings like that. And then you have intelligent hauntings. Something that can communicate back and forth. It's trying to scare you. Like, or, you know. Sitting at beings, like right? That. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like a, it's a ghost or a spirit. Then the other type of hauntings that you have would be demonic. Which is something that's never walked the earth. Poltergeist. 
and PK manifestations, which is basically an extension of a poltergeist type activity. Um, something that is created, like poltergeist is believed that those exist in places where there are mainly women, but also men at a very young age who are going through bodily changes, you know, puberty. Mm. Or women that are in later ages that are going through menopause because the body that's going through so many changes, it creates so much energy around mm -hmm. that person and in that atmosphere of like a home that things will just start happening, like objects moving, knocks, you know, bangs like that. PK manifestation is a little bit different. That happens in mainly places where there are there is a lot of anger, sadness, uh, confusion about what's going on in the home, and it's just an extension of that person and their feelings. And it happens so much. You know, PK stands for psychokinetic. Yeah, I was just about yeah. to ask you. Yeah, and yeah. That's where that creates that activity. You know, not every place has a ghost, so to speak. Right. You no, know, the ghost would be a person who was formerly living. This PK manifestation or poltergeist is just an extension of the people or a person in a home. And it's just, it's basically created, it's it, basically a creation of paranormal activity. You know, I find it really interesting, Brian, you have all these different categories. See, this is something that Lindsay and I have been introduced to over the past several years that, that we want to explore is we try to come in everything like, and you know this, you've heard this on our podcast, uh, from a biblical perspective. And we don't think that coming at it from a biblical perspective is near about as simplistic as a lot of Christians make it out to be. They, you know, the average, you've heard it, Brian, a million times, mm -hmm. the average shtick that, uh, uh Christian it's all demons. It's all <laughs> demons, exactly. Yep, yeah. it's all demons, yeah. and we don't buy that. We don't believe that, not one bit. You know, because there's there's so much more. Even in the Bible, there's so many different creatures that are unexplored. Um, yeah. some good, some evil, and we won't even get into the whole alien realm because I know you probably don't want to talk about that with us. But <laughs> so I like the fact that you have all these different categories. Yeah, what are some of the common things that you encounter in different cases? Uh, common things. We have yeah. seen in many clients that we've worked with in almost 28 years that a lot of hauntings are basically the same. No okay. full body apparition or a shadow figure or they'll hear footsteps, knocks, uh, things being moved, uh, doors opening and closing, you know, things moving on their own, um, disembodied voices. Those mm. are your common, you know, grandma, grandpa type haunting. Um, mm -hmm. Run of the mill, I guess you can say. Then... There's a lot, that's your most common ones. Then there's, you know, you get into stronger homings. 
and a lot more is going on and a lot more repetitiveness of it happening. Of course, then you get into the demonic realm and that's more psychological warfare and spiritual warfare. Interesting. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And now I'll touch a little bit on demonic while we're talking about this, maybe in, in a little while, but uh, yeah, it, a lot of it's just run of the mill type stuff and people there. Some of them are scared of mm-hmm. what's going on in their home, which rightfully so, because if you're living in a place and you know, you're starting to hear noises and coming from the next room and you're home by yourself, walk in the room, yeah. nobody in there. What was going on? Well, we're afraid of the unknown people in general, exactly. you know? Yeah. And that's what scares people the most is the unknown part about it. And some people though, they're just curious. They're like, Hey, we know we have a something here, a ghost or whatever. It's done no kind of harm to us. It doesn't scare us anymore. It's, we've had it for 10, 15 years. We just maybe want to see if we can get some answers as to why it's here. Hmm. And we're like, okay, we can come in, do an investigation. We can run our audio and see if we can get the spirit voices or EVPs, electronic voice phenomena, and just go from there. You know, and but a lot of times I tell people who have lived with it, I, I tell them, look, I don't want to come in and investigate because once you have a team come in and do an investigation and that team leaves after doing all this audio work, trying to communicate back and forth, just because they're done and they leave doesn't mean that spirit is done. So things start to ramp up in the home more than what it was before that team got in there. So I always tell people, if you have stuff going on 10, 15 years and nothing's ever happened to you negatively, just don't bother with it. Yeah, I can understand that. So could you tell us one or two uh, memorable cases? Oh, wow. I'll go to historical locations for this one because they're more fun to investigate. Private residences are very stressful. They can be. I mean, how how so? Because a lot of times you might go into like a family of four, mom, Mm. dad, husband, wife, two kids. Mm -hmm. One person's having experiences you know, or two people are having experiences. The other two people don't believe them. They think it's all just hogwash. And mm. so it creates a fracture in the family. And Strife. I yeah. Learned, yeah, I learned early on, take psychology courses. You know, mm. and that way I would have a better understanding of the human emotions and the human condition and be able to help them out maybe on that level also a spiritual level being a christian there are witness clients that i have witnessed to i see how they're how involved are they in the church how strong is their beliefs do they believe yeah 
but sometimes in private residences, you can see a family on the verge of divorce. And that would really suck to have what's happening in a home, paranormal-wise, tear apart a family just because one person doesn't believe. And it's mm. like, okay, this is your wife. Okay, let's say the man doesn't believe what's going on, what his wife is experiencing. This is your wife. You've been married to her for 20 years, let's say. You're her protector. You may not be experiencing something, but she is. So you need to believe her on some aspect and try to figure out what's going on. Mm. You know, be there for her. Be her rock. That's private residences. We also, my team, we always sign a confidentiality statement. You know, we won't really go into who. Some places I can talk about the type of activity that happened, but I'd never get into the personals of it. And But historic mm -hmm. places, they're just a lot more fun because it's places that, you know, like tour homes. Uh, bed and breakfast, mm -hmm. museums, restaurants, places that you can actually go. Like one of my favorites would be McRaven Tour Home. I worked there under two owners. Mr. French, who owned it from the 1980s up until about 2006, 2007. Is whenever he closed it, but he sold it in 2016. Um, and worked there, investigated McRaven under him. And the Reeds, who own it now, Stephen and Kendra Reed, who are just wonderful people. I worked there as a tour guide. And every day, whether I was investigating or not, which I always had equipment with me, because it's McRaven. Mississippi's most haunted historic home. And we would always hear footsteps. We would always hear knocking. Uh, we would hear disembodied voices. We would catch shadows moving out of the corner of our eyes. We would see things move. Every day we had some type of activity going on. And I think the one of the best experiences I ever had was whenever I worked there under Mr. French, I had a school group come through. And they were about, I don't know, 11, 12 years old. And always on the tour, we waited till we got to one certain room, the 1836 bedroom, to talk about the ghosts. And we got into that room, and as soon as I mentioned, hey, you know, this place has a that uh, has the reputation of being haunted. One boy who has been rolling his eyes throughout the whole tour, he doesn't care about none of this history stuff. He goes, oh, ghosts don't exist. And I'm just standing there going, okay, Brian, remain professional. He's just a kid. He hasn't had life experiences. You know, just be nice. And... He's like trying to egg it on. There's an armoire right behind him. And it opens. And he's like, ho, 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 you made that happen somehow. Ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, 
Yeah, I don't think so. I'm about 20 feet away from it. And he said, well, if it's such a ghost, why doesn't it close it then? And as soon as he said that, the armoire door that opened is on a downswing. And I know this because I've tested it out. I know that room. It slammed shut. It <laughs> went in a direction that it naturally shouldn't have. A scared 11-year-old, I know that. He almost peed his pants. And I'm like, yep, you shouldn't think say things that you don't know anything about. That's one of my best memories of McRaven is having a kid be put in this place for having a smart mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, no. What's another one? There's so many. One of my other favorite places. Uh, wow. I, it's, I thought about this, you know, in the last few days, and I have so many. I've had so many great experiences over two plus decades. This is actual evidence that you can go to my Facebook page and see. Or our YouTube page. At Duff Green Mansion, which I worked there as a tour guide under Mr. Harry Sharp whenever he owned it. And he would always let us come up there and investigate. So back in 2012 or 13, a friend of mine, John Bullard, he was in the documentary, The House in Between, which was filmed over in Florence, Mississippi. We did a ghost hunting event where we sold tickets mm -hmm. to people who wanted to experience paranormal investigating. And we set the DVR system up, which is basically a surveillance camera system. And we had one trained on the staircase. And at some point, John Board goes over and he places a ball about eight or ten steps up on the flying wing staircase. And he just left it there. He tried to, you know, hey, if anything's here, can you push the ball down? Nothing happened. That ball sat there for about... 30, 40 minutes, maybe. And we did some investigating, came back. On camera, you can see John talking to a woman right there. And one guy goes out the back door right next to the staircase. And about a minute, not well, not even a minute, just a few seconds later, the ball just starts coming down the staircase. And wow. you see John, he's just kind of looking at the ball as it rolls right past him. And, of course, we tried to disprove it. Was it vibrations from the door, you know, being shut? Did it send a vibration through the walls and the steps and make it do that? We opened the door, closed it. We even slammed it a few times after we set the ball back on the staircase. Never moved. 
We jumped up and down on the steps around the ball. Never moved. But the cool thing is, about six minutes later in the dining room on another camera, we got what looks like the shadow of a small child mm. on the back of a chair. And the chair moved. And the reason why that always sticks with my mind, because on two different cameras, in the same night, at the same location, it's a one in a million chance that you will catch two things on video of something wow. moving. Yeah. And that's the probably some of the best evidence I've ever seen. Of course, Duff Green, like I said, I worked there as a tour guide. I love the Sharps. They are just great people. And the family that owns it now, they're doing really good with it. We're actually supposed to go up there, maybe investigate sometime soon. And, you know, it, it's just a place that I really always loved because we always get evidence there in one form or another, whether it's audio, video, photos, or personal experiences. So, yeah, those would be my two best experiences. Mm. That's amazing. Yeah. Hey, my unrefined friends. I just want to tell you guys that I am so thankful that you are my life. Some of our best fans uh, have been writing to us, and, and I, I just so encouraged about how lives are being transformed and people are getting something out of this podcast. I mean, that's what it's all about. That's why we're doing this is to glorify Jesus and to just look at the world and have a a more open view of the seen and the unseen and the supernatural in the world. So while we're doing that, we're going to handle all different kinds of topics. But see, what I'd like for you to be involved in or part of is our members only group things that are coming in our members only group that are going to just blow your mind not to mention there's going to be episodes in there that you won't be able to hear just on the normal episode channel so make sure to visit our website at unrefinedpodcast.com and check out our members only community i just can't stress the fact that you know we're after building a community and there's there's so much out there you guys and there's so much coming i really believe we need to build these strong communities of christ followers to to be able to handle what might be coming in the in the future days we're sure that you'd be a good fit and we cannot wait i can't wait to see you there so what's your rig what's your basic setup Equipment-wise? Uh, equipment. Um, we have a pretty good arsenal. And Brian, can you explain them to for our audience? Yeah, gladly. Um, we have a good arsenal of equipment that we use. Now, whenever I started out, this is back in 1995, I was using a cassette recorder, dowsing rods, pendulum, a compass, 35-millimeter camera, 8-millimeter camcorders, very basic stuff. And after the TV shows came on, things started, you know, getting more popular and everything, and more equipment was being made. 
high-tech type equipment. We use EMF detectors. EMF stands for electromagnetic field. Energy, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, We look for inconsistencies in energy. Whenever we go to a location, we do a baseline walkthrough. We go room by room, and we get a reading on like the millimeter, which reads milligals. And we look for a baseline. Let's say go into a living room. Go along the wall, looking at the light switches, the outlets, the TV, seeing how much energy is being off of, coming off of them. And it reads it digitally. You go to the center of the room, which is the best place to get your baseline and whatever it reads, whether it's 0.0, for example, and it stays there for a while, that's your base. And also your temperature. We look for fluctuations in temperature. And we look for, whenever we're investigating, we look for spikes in temperature and EMFs in, in that energy. You know, is there a reason why a spike just happened? Was there a power surge? You know, we're trying to communicate and we ask in a spirit, can you make the numbers on this read higher? Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. But whenever it sits there on that baseline number for 10, 15 Hmm. minutes, and all of a sudden you're getting spikes up to 1.89 or something like that, you know, what caused it? There's no natural explanation. So, you know, we'll use uh, something that's called a rim pod. It creates its own magnetic electromagnetic field it has an antenna coming out from the top of it and anything that comes into that field of energy that it creates around the device it'll make a noise and it'll light up so but you have to be careful with a lot of equipment especially emf detectors and audio because you can get a lot of false readings Mm-hmm. You have a lot of dust in the air. That can create a spike if it's hitting just right onto the equipment or in the field of that equipment. Audio recorders. We'll use digital. Sometimes, every once in a while, we'll still use cassette recorders. And we're looking for the spirit voices or EVPs, electronic voice phenomenon. Uh, we'll set yeah. audio recorder on a table and just start asking questions. Sometimes we'll go back and listen to it on the spot, see if we caught a voice, or we'll wait till like I get home and I can put it on the computer and run it through the software that I use. Mm-hmm. We'll use a lot of ITC devices, intertrans communication, ghost box or the spirit box, which is a radio, and these are special made for paranormal investigating, 
because they can just do a constant scan of radio frequencies. And it'll hit four frequencies per second, making it basically virtually impossible for you to hear a full voice come from a radio station because it's going so fast through that suite. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we'll listen for full voices, words, or even sentences at times. We've actually had that happen come through the radio, which you have to listen very carefully because, and this is why we record those sessions so we can go back and listen to it. Like, did I actually hear this thing say, my name is Jim? Or did I want to hear it? Yeah, what was that? What is that phenomena uh, we were discussing before we started the podcast? Paragolia. Yeah, paragolia. Yeah. Yeah, matrixing is what we like to call it uh, because... Tell us about that. It's like, yeah. well, it's like in photos or if you're looking at the clouds and you see a cloud shaped like, I don't know, Fred Flintstone. Your eyes are seeing it, but your mind is filling in the blanks to find something familiar for you to see because to another person... It could just be a big blob of cloud. But for you, you're seeing yeah. something else. Or like the Virgin Mary on a piece of toast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or a face. Somebody takes a picture of a, this happened at McRaven a lot. Uh, a lot of different places, too. But whenever I was a tour guide at McRaven, we would get people sending us photos all the time. Hey, I took a photo of the 1797 bedroom window from the outside, and there's a face in it. And then you show the picture, you know, to, I, I would show the picture to the owners or my coworkers or even my team members. And they're like, oh, I see like three or four faces. It's whatever your eyes, your mind are trying to put together mm. in it. Yeah, we've discovered that, like, even with uh, people who lean more, like, towards conspiratorial, it's something that you have yeah. to be aware of, you know, because it'll give you an echo chamber, me and Lindsay like to call, but it'll also, it, it'll give you tunnel vision, you know, you'll see things that aren't there like they yeah. are there. I think that's cool, like, you're talking about you have a team and, I think a lot of this kind of stuff needs to be done in community with people because you can bounce stuff off people where you're not like, uh, diving into stuff and yeah. seeing stuff where it's not there because that, that what that'll do is a lot of times is it'll, it'll cause disbelief from people, even people that are truly seeking, not even skeptics, mm -hmm. but you know, particularly skeptics, but, but you know, it'll, it'll cause disbelief because it taught to them. It's obvious that that's where it yeah. is. I'm on a Bigfoot page on Instagram and these people will post this stuff and it's obvious it's, it's bark on wood and they see a Bigfoot face looking at you, you know, yeah. and it's, it doesn't move, blah, blah, blah. It, it's fake. Yeah. There, there's a thing called knives that can carve into wood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that, and it, it's just, you know, like you said earlier, it's, it's psychological. We can play. Oh, yeah. We can fill in, you know, with our brains. Yeah. And so I think that's cool that when you're, you, when you're doing this, and I also think it's cool too, that you try to disprove what you're doing. You're, you're not just, uh, 
you don't you don't buy everything that goes down the pike. You know, you you try to disprove it like a skeptic would, mm-hmm. and if it stands up to that kind of scrutiny, it well, validates it. You in a lot have of ways. to be skeptical in this field because it'd yeah. be crazy to go into every location. Uh, I'm what you would call a skeptical believer. I know what I have experienced. I believe in what I have experienced. Whenever someone comes up and say, hey, I'm having stuff going on in my house. Uh, You know, doors are opening and closing. Um, I'm seeing a face looking at me through the window from the outside on the second floor. Oh, there's no balcony there. You know, I'm listening to all this. Yeah. I kind of want to believe because of the things I have seen. But at the same time, it's a lot healthier to... Not take not take a client one hundred percent at their word because over the years it has been proven that about seventy five eighty percent of claimed paranormal phenomenon, including especially with hauntings, there can be a real world solution found as to why this is being experienced. You know, that's like, you know, with EMFs, if you're in a house with horrible wiring and I go in there with an EMF detector and I stand in the center of the house and I'm getting 200 milligauls, first thing I'm going to do is look at the wiring. I'm going to look at the, the box, the electrical box. And see how old it is you know what kind of wiring does this how this house have oh it's the old knob and tube yeah you might want to get a your whole house reworked into modern wiring because that's crazy that you should no wonder you're having experiences our investigation didn't give us any kind of a you know audio or photos or video we didn't have a personal experience but you're having all this, there's a hypersensitivity to EMFs that's been discovered. Mm -hmm. And they can make you hallucinate, skin itch, like you're being, you know, Mm -hmm. like your skin's being pricked, might feel like you're being touched, get headaches, nauseous. You know, there's, I think there's like 15 different symptoms for hypersensitivity to high EMFs. Well, I mean, the government uses frequency weapons, yeah. so you can experience an apparition or whatever, and it, it simply just be a, a frequency of something, and it's causing your brain to, you know, or your body to react to the frequency of whatever that is. Yeah, it's going to be something exactly. as easy as that. Exactly. Well, well, let, let me ask you a question, uh, Ron. I'm trying to move along. Okay. With, I'd love to talk to you all day. <laughs> I mean, this is fascinating to me, but, but, we, but we have to kind of keep going on a timeline here but um so if how do you keep if if a christian asks you so brian what keeps you from diving into what the bible says is deviation in the old testament that is forbidden how would you explain that to to a christian to assage their fears that that's what you're doing how would you distinguish that my first answer is Whenever we get called into a case, especially to help a family, 
or a business that's having activity and they're like, okay, we're losing customers. I always tell people I'm there to help those people. I've had my experiences. I can go off of my experiences from whenever I was a teenager to whenever I started investigating all throughout these years. And I'm trying to help these people. Are they experiencing something that's not natural? You know, a lot of times, whenever, majority of the time, whenever we are investigating, we don't get into anything like fortune telling or something like that. It's nothing, yeah, nothing yeah, like that. Yeah. Nothing about predicting mm -hmm. the future. I believe a the ghost of a person who passed away can stay behind for whatever reason. You know, traumatizing right. event. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they have a message to deliver. They're yeah. attached to a location. Um, that's your yeah. three biggest things. And well, it's biblical. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it really is. I mean, it's all in the exactly. Bible. I mean, yeah. Anyway, and keep going. I tell yeah. people when we go in to investigate, we don't, it's not like we go in there, hey, yo, any spirits want to come around and talk to us? That right there is going into dangerous territory because you're saying, well, there are some ghost hunters that do that are. though, Brian, you there know what are. I'm saying? And those are the thrill seekers who shouldn't be in this, you know, in this field because that is opening up mm -hmm. a doorway for something else that is not in that home or that location to come in and it could have negative mm. um have a negative reaction afterwards we make sure that we ask our questions are there any spirits or ghosts in this location that once lived here that would like to communicate with us and whenever we do our research we look at the deed of the home we see who lived there in the past We'll research when these people died. Did they die while having this residence or owning this business? Are they attached to it? Is there a possible attachment? We'll go in there and we'll call out those names and saying, you know, you know, I hope you're not around. It would suck for you to just linger around in the house. I, me personally, when I die, I don't want to hang around. Yeah, I want to go to where I'm supposed to. And yeah, but it, yeah. I always tell yeah. people we make sure that we're not calling onto something else. That we keep our yeah. questions very specific to that location and within that location, and from the history of the location. We don't want to get into anything demonic because yeah, there's teams out there, and like I said, I call them thrill seekers. And they just they right. see this stuff on TV, and they're like, "Oh, I want to do that." And they read a couple of articles, and they go in, and they do something that ends up traumatizing somebody. I mean, yeah. it's not an easy field. It's an easy field to get into because the equipment is able to be bought on Amazon, eBay, different websites, and you can go in, oh, I watched this TV show, you know, all 12 seasons of it. 
it's not the same. I mean, it's yeah. a lot of psychological work in it. And a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah. Now, we have used mediums. And I think mediumship is something that you're born with. And if you're born with it, my belief is that that is something from God. It is a gift. And, but there's so many people that they'll say mediums. There's, you know, in the paranormal field, there's a lot of people they come up and say, I'm a medium. I can talk to and see the dead. And I think 90% of those people are full of crap. Because in the paranormal field, that is the most abused area because they're trying to find their spot in the field. So they take on mediumship. That's going to be my claim. I only work with ones that I know, ones that I can vet, ones I will take to a location, not tell them the history or where we're going. They have no knowledge of it. Because I will, in roundabout ways, talk about different locations for them to go to. If they don't mention specific locations, that's where I'm going to take them. They have no knowledge. I give one of their friends or team, one of their team members or one of my team members the address. And they drive them there. And a lot of times, we'll do it with them blindfolded. So they have no clue where they're walking in. And we'll say, okay, what are you picking up? And we look at the history. We look at what they say and see if anything lines up. And there's only a couple that I work with because we've done this several times. And they always get validated from the history of these locations. But I don't use hmm. mediums a lot because, like I said, it's the most abused thing. But whenever I get stuck on a case, yeah. I'll be like, yeah. eh, maybe we could bring so-and-so in and see if they can shed some light on something. And that'll give us more questions. Yeah. So it's, they're used like a tool, like an EMF detector or an audio recorder. So this is a difficult question to kind of frame or like what what plane of existence in your opinion do these entities spirits inhabit obviously the ones that are more that first one you talked about that's just kind yeah. of a like a record playing that that's a little different well, what about the more sentient you know, personality beings, where, where would you say they are? I basically? think there are maybe thousands of different planes of existence, and they intersect at some point, and that is where we may experience something paranormal. Like in my personal experience, you know, seeing a full body apparition which I've only seen a handful of times. It's not like every time I go out and investigate, I see one. It's very rare. Right. I might see one every hundred investigations. And I don't know, it, it's 
like this that at that right moment at that right time we see that ghost um i i really don't have a huge understanding of you know those planes of existence i think they are it is possible i think it probably does exist but then you're getting into a lot of things like quantum physics and science is not my yeah thoughts. yeah i i, I barely yeah. made it through biology <laughs> yeah no I, I get it yeah and that's yep. just not my strong suit right there and i could probably give you names of people to talk to that they have studied for years the quantum physics side of existence right um well, let me, let me ask you this. What about portals and vortices or vortex? Vortices, I think, is the Latin yeah, yeah. plural, but vortex. What's the difference and how are they alike and what are they used for? Um, can you kind of give us a, a brief synopsis of that? Okay. A vortex is a, by definition, it's a center point of paranormal activity. Um, another definition would be it's also a place where energy is released from the released from the earth and where the earth takes in energy places known to have a vortex would be places like easter island stonehenge the mayan ruins in mexico now a portal okay a vortex is a natural place a portal is something that is man made it's an entryway from our plane of existence uh... to another and this is, I believe, and it can happen with a vortex, but in portals mainly, this is how ghosts, spirits, demons, they move around. And they come in and, in and out of our okay. dimensions. Let's see. A Ouija board. Perfect example of a portal. It's man-made. And I've yeah. never, well, I've used a Ouija board whenever I was a teenager, like 13 years old. I didn't know what I was doing. So I don't know if that really counts. Never, yeah. Nothing ever happened. Uh, thank God. Yeah. But that's an opening up a doorway. It, it sounds like to me like portals are more diving into the occultic it, world, like what the occult it could opens be, but and stuff, there, right? But then you have places like, if you go into these old historic homes, McRaven and Cedar Grove are perfect examples. Another type of portal would be opposing mirrors. You see a mirror in the parlor on one That's wall. Interesting, you say that. The wall yeah. has a mirror. Those two mirrors have sat there for 100 years or more facing one another. That can create an opening. Especially, That's especially if it's already activity in the place. Well, I, I talked to Lindsay about that. You know, what, what are the places of mirrors in our plane of existence? You remember me talking about that, Lindsay? I was asking you about that. And that, that could be a whole show probably on its own, but just about that, what you're talking yeah, about well, here. One thing, but I, that's fascinating, one thing Brian. About mirrors is if you look at the morning rituals during the Victorian era, after somebody passed away, they would cover their mirrors. That's because yeah, they, the they didn't want yep. that person's spirit to get stuck in the mirror. And that also... Fascinating. Exactly. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah, a lot of the Victorian rituals around death had a supernatural Mm -hmm. cause for it. Well, they had more of a supernatural worldview than we do now since evolution and a lot of just rationalism and a lot of that came into the world. And and there's nothing wrong with being rationalistic. There's nothing wrong with using your brain and thinking rationally. However, you... If you limit it just to that, it's like that that p word. I can't say you're gonna. You, scientists can be like that just as much as somebody like us who believe in the supernatural. Oh, yeah, definitely, they can have a blindness where they only see natural things when it could be a possible answer of the supernatural. You have to at least have the the option to be to be open minded. You have to have the option that there is a supernatural. Yeah. At least in my opinion. Yeah. You can be a skeptic, but you can, you still need to have that option yeah. of the supernatural. Yeah, exactly. I agree 100% on that. This fascinates me. What do you think about clusters of the supernatural in certain places? And I, I put it on there, and I know this is a very controversial place, but and I don't know much, how much research you've done on it. I, we've done some in Skinwalker Ranch. Like, like at Skinwalker Ranch, there has been manifestations of paranormal, mm-hmm. They're uh, the the more ghost type. They they have actually seen cryptids like uh yeah. like big wolves or st- dogmen or something like that. But they've there's actually a, a Bigfoot coming out of a portal. They've they've done that and UFO sightings mm-hmm. all in that one like area. Yeah. So do you think there's something to clusters of paranormal in certain areas? Oh yeah, definitely. And a lot of it is. Native American based. Wow. Yeah. Because Skinwalker, like for Skinwalker Ranch, Skinwalker is actually Navajo for vengeful shaman. Yeah. And that is for a shaman, that was very sacred ground. That was spiritual ground for them. And they did their chants, their prayers, and everything. And they had a huge belief in the afterlife ghosts stuff like that Mm -hmm. they believe ghosts could turn into creatures like skinwalkers now it's kind of like going back to what we were talking about earlier with portals they would create portals and creatures can go in and out cryptids elementals aliens ghosts it's all right there and I believe those kind of places do exist. And I'd love to go to Skinwalker Ranch at some point. Oh, yeah, I would too. I mean, I, what what blew me away and what really gave me a totally open mind is is the just the, the pure, quote, science that they did out there, just from a skeptical point of view. And then for one of them to see a Bigfoot pop out of a portal. Actually, I think he went into a portal. And that just makes... To- I, I know I know how you feel about Bigfoot, Brian. I'm not I'm not going to drag you into that discussion. But <laughs> if such an entity exists, yeah. it that would explain a lot of things that it pops in and out through portals, just like yeah. Ghost would. Exactly, and I think it 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 could be possible that exists. Me, I want to see one. You know, alive or dead. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I think you want to see they, some Bigfoot poo poo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not in a refrigerator somewhere <laughs> or a freezer. You know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Never eat yeah. at that house. <laughs> uh, 
you know that that's you know, uh, Bigfoot poo poo in somebody's house. That's just kind of crappy. Yeah, <laughs> pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> that's great, man. I love it. I love your puns. So, Brian, what's what's the difference between a negative haunting and a demonic haunting? Difference between negative case or negative haunting and demonic is a negative is a ghost that is it's just angry you know and it's like it likes scaring people throwing things shutting and opening doors moving things loud mm-hmm. footsteps banging knocks versus demonic which is something more sinister so the first one's more of a nuisance mm-hmm. Type Which, thing. Like more. Right, right. It's just somebody that hung around and they might have been a butthole in life and they're being a butthole in death. With demonic, yeah. the major difference is the intelligence level. And what I mean by that is that when I've been That's on, fascinating. I've been on yeah. a demonic case, there's an aspect of toying with you. It's like physically being in a room with a really smart person who knows your tendencies and knows how to scare you to your core, you know, versus like an angry spirit or an angry ghost, which they're just trying to get a rise out of you. Yeah, see, Lindsay and I are of the belief, you know, and it's it's just a little different than yours, and that's okay. We can agree to disagree, but we think demons are the actual spirits unclean spirits of leftover Nephilim from the Genesis six yeah. in the Bible. It talks about that there was giants mm-hmm. on the earth and then after mm-hmm. and then after after the flood, it killed all these giants. And then in Jewish what is it called? Studio what is that, Lindsay, help me out the word. Uh studiography. Yeah. It yeah that the demons from the 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 Judea and even early church worldview is not that they were angels or even angelic at all. They were hybrids. They were half human and half angelic from the angels and the uh, human yeah. human women. Yeah, 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 Nephilim. And so, so we think that's possibly perhaps why they have the high intelligence. And, and there is, and don't get me wrong, there's beings that aren't necessarily demons that are acting demonic. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll allow, yeah, you know, you, but, but, a, but a demon proper, like when we've had experience of deliverance, of casting out demons, doing, the, doing exorcisms, they've been, they're very, they're super intelligent. They're not of the quality of like a, a Bible angel in the sense. There, there's, a, there's a difference, and that's why they like bodies, human bodies. And so I guess some of the demonic hauntings you could be encountering might be dark angels that are causing, you know, because they're not necessarily looking for a body to, to dwell in. Well, that's just, you know, these, these ex-Nephilim. Well, that, that's just, well, with the demonic, you know, in demonology, they're fallen angels because they didn't side yeah. with God. They wanted to be with yeah. Lucifer, Satan, whatever you want to call him. Um, him who shall not be named. He actually has no name in the Bible, which is true. fascinating. Yeah. Did you know very that, Brian? Yeah. And yeah. They, yeah. they were cast out of heaven. And, and they opposed God making man. Yeah. So their whole thing is to destroy what God created. 
and they do that. That goes to what you said earlier, which I think is fascinating, is the psychological aspect of it. A demonic haunting is more psychological. Like, like I'm thinking about movies, okay, because I think of movies and yeah. music, all right? I'm thinking about like the shi- the shining or Amityville horror. Those would be more like a demonic type haunting, yeah. right? Velisca yeah. um, Axe Murder House, the house that uh, Parham Farm, which inspired the Conjuring movies. Um, very very yeah. interesting yeah. place. Demonic entities like to dwell in places where there has been a lot of death, whether it's murder. Blood. or uh, suicide. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of anger in that place. It attracts them. And they're gonna, their main mm-hmm. mission is to destroy humanity. And they're going to do it one person at a time. And they're going to toy with them. Do that psychological warfare. Try to break them spiritually. Yeah. Mentally. And then, you know, there's different levels of, we can get into the demonology side, maybe at another point, but because that would take three or four hours yeah. just to discuss by itself. Well, we're working on a show in the future. We're going to do some shows on angels and demons. So maybe we can have yeah. you back. You can tell us we might have you back on for that. You know, we'll see. But yeah, all that fascinates me is how you distinguish in categories. And see, and that's what I think is missing so much in the church is is that a lot of these things, the Christians, do they just like, like Lindsay said, they delegate it to the demonic. And then if you try to investigate or search into anything like this, then you're delving into things that you don't need to get into, which I think is entirely preposterous. I think it's, it's crazy. I think it's like what you said. I mean, honestly, Brian, in some ways, I'm, I'm sure you consider it this, you have a ministry to help people. Oh, yeah deal natural supernatural things just like an exorcist would have a ministry to to get a demon out of a body mm-hmm. you have a ministry to help people exercise places yeah. Yeah, houses exactly. businesses yeah, whatever i think i mentioned it earlier there have been many cases that i have done especially private residence cases where i have witnessed yeah. to people about me coming into believing in christ my walk, you know, what got me there. And I look at them, and one of the first things that I ask is, do you go to church? And sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. How strong is your faith? Because, you know, if you have a strong faith, this stuff cannot get to you. You can yeah, it. Yeah. And... Put on the full armor of God. You know, that's what it says in Ephesians. You have to have that armor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. How do you deal with skeptics? How do you address them or deal with them? Uh, It really depends on the skeptic itself. Uh, My best answer is that a lot of times I'll invite someone out to an investigation. I never try to Hmm. make someone believe what I believe. I think it's something that should be experienced, if possible. Uh, one of my favorite. I think that's yeah, a good one point. of my favorite yeah. things is to see a skeptic become a believer. I think it's really cool, and I'll tell you a story in just a minute. But I also think with time and age, you get to a point where 
you care less what people think. You know, whenever I was younger, I wanted people to believe. Hmm. And as I got older, hmm. it's like, you can believe me or not, but that's, but I'll invite them to a place. And it's not for me to yeah. make someone want to, wanting them to believe in hauntings and ghosts. Unless a person is going to walk the steps I have walked, then I shouldn't care too much, you know, what they think. It's like me telling a skydiver, having never skydived before, I can do it, no problem. It's not even scary. How would I know? I've never jumped out of an airplane before. Hmm. I can assume it would be scary, but my point is that I don't have the experience of a skydiver. So how am I going to tell a skydiver what skydiving is like? It's the same thing with ghost hunting. When someone says, oh, I don't believe in any of that stuff, you just walk around in the dark scaring one another. It's mass hysteria, and they have no idea what goes on. It, it can be so boring in some of these investigations that you fall asleep. How do you explain to someone who says ghosts aren't real as what happens in Alcatraz, in Al Capone's cell, if they've never been there? You know, you have to keep an open mm. mind. So it's it, it's like so. You know, like I said, if they haven't walked where I've walked and experienced what I've experienced, how can they say that? They never stepped foot inside Villisca Axe Murder House or Waverly Hills Sanatorium or the West Virginia State Penitentiary. They have not no idea what happens at three thirty in the morning in the courtyard at Chillingham Castle. Because they've never been there. If you don't experience it, how do you know it's not real? Hmm. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good apologetic. I have to I have to admit. I mean, I've used that with other supernatural things, like the the well, deliverance or exorcism mm -hmm. or healing or other things like that. How do you know it's not real if you've never exactly. experienced it? Yeah. I had a seminary professor who was brilliant. Who, who basically said this, uh, a man with an experience has more than a man with a theology. Yep. And this man was not knocking theology, you know, at all. To have right doctrine, but he was just saying, the whole point is to experience mm -hmm. God, or to experience this, the kingdom of God, which is this world that we know nothing about, this, these dimensions, this, this supernatural world that's all around us. People read in the Bible that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Mm -hmm. And I did for years. Yeah, they immediately think we're like in a Colosseum and they're all sitting in the mm -hmm. stand spectating. But see, it doesn't say that right. at all. It says we're surrounded by a great cloud mm -hmm. of witnesses. That means they're, they're around us. We just don't yeah. see them. Yeah. Well, it's like the other day we were talking. Yeah, they're all around us. Yeah, we don't see them. <laughs> it reminds me of what we were talking about the other day. If, the word ghost encompasses so many things. If, yeah. if you hear a noise coming from another room and nobody's in it, is that a ghost? Do you have to see it for it to be a ghost? Do you have to mm -hmm. not see it for it to be a ghost? What is a ghost? Yeah, we do have all these yeah. things around us. They're watching. It was interesting. My, my understanding, even of that word ghost, is it used to be more of just a synonym for spirit didn't necessarily mean the spirit of the departed dead. What, what I learned, and this is through 
a lot of research, a lot of talking with different paranormal investigators, especially ones that have been dealing with this a lot longer than I have. I've even talked to mediums who I trust. What's the difference between a ghost and a spirit? And the best answer I ever got for my understanding is a ghost is somebody mm-hmm. who, whenever they die, they go to a familiar location like their house or their workplace. They don't transcend into the afterlife. They're just stuck at a location. They, they don't move on. They don't go, quote unquote, go to the light. Whenever you die and you leave this realm, you go to the light, you become a spirit. That's always been my understanding. Hmm. And yeah, is John hanging around his house, refusing to leave because he lived here for 60 years? Why hasn't he moved on? Well, you know, and there's a bigness and a hugeness for differences of opinion in this realm because, like you said, Brian, you've told me before, is that is we don't know for sure. Yeah. I mean, we believe, you know, and and we don't always have the scientific evidence to back up what we believe, but we still believe and we still know it's true. Yeah. So it, it's it's such a huge realm, yes. is what I see it. It's actually I tell Lindsay this all the time. What I see it as is. You remember in the end of the movie Gladiator when he goes to Elysium and he's walking through that field and he's touching all that, what is it, grain? And then he gets to the, well, yes, he goes to the doorway first. He goes and he's going to meet his son and his wife. And it's a wide open field full of grain. I just kind of see it like that, that that what we're Mm -hmm. talking about, it's so expansive that we're not going to get a handle on it, even this side of the veil, so to speak. I mean, we're, we're going to keep learning and learning and, and finding out new stuff, you know, until we die, maybe even after we die. Oh, yeah. And, and there, there's a lot of gray area that we don't understand about yes. the afterlife. Yes. Even the Bible has yes. a lot of gray area in it because yes. we yes. know what God allows yep, don't, us to don't, know. Don't tell a Pharisee that, though. Anyway, I, I'm not going <laughs> to go there. But, yeah, there is a lot of, there is a lot of gray area. And it, there's not gray area with God. God is black and yeah. white, but we're not God. Exactly. See, you exactly. see what I'm saying? We're we not God. So there knows. is gray area with us. Everything he knows. The exactly. Bible is a footprint. Or we'd yeah. be him. <laughs> like the Bible is a footprint in order to know God and to be with God after we leave this earth. He gave yeah. us that knowledge. He didn't give yeah. us all of his knowledge. Exactly. Well, that's what that's what I tell people, even with the alien thing. Sometimes I know I'm gonna go here for a second, but we don't know. I heard Matt Walsh talking about it the other day that, that we presuppose that that there's not other universes out there that God created that you know we don't know. I don't necessarily believe that all the time, but we don't know. It's just so vast yeah. because God, like you said, His knowledge is past past our understanding, and so. When you, when you have a being that exists like that, and you're a finite being, you're going to have mm-hmm. gray. You, you're going to have gray. That, but, but just because you have gray doesn't mean you still don't have black and white. A, a friend of mine told me that, that a priest told him that. He said, look, you can have the gray, but everything's not gray. Right. 
you have black and white still, but you but you still have the gray, and we need to be aware of that. Mm-hmm. Particularly dealing with what we've been talking about the whole yeah. time. So let's yeah. let's move on, to Lindsay. Well, man, it's it's hard not you you touched on these shows a little bit, um, but. It's hard not to talk about this. This right. is how most people know about a lot of the, the, these things we've talked about. Um, so how have the paranormal, sort of your, your quote-unquote ghost hunter TV shows and movies, fictional and otherwise, how have they, they hurt what you're doing and how have they helped uh, what you're doing? They've done both. Um, unfortunately, for a serious paranormal investigator, um, I think they've done a little bit more bad than good. I'll touch on the good real quick. It brought mm-hmm. ghost hunting into the mainstream. You know, it's not yeah, a taboo that's good. subject anymore yeah. like it was back in the 80s and even the 1990s. So the TV shows have actually in, helped out with that. And it, it gave some people a better understanding as to what is going on during these investigations. If anyone wants to see a good TV show on it, Kindred Spirits. That's probably the best current TV show that's going on because Amy and Adam, they do such a great job working with clients. They're patient. They're very... They take their time with it. And they're looking for answers. They show how a paranormal investigation should be done. Now, the bad, it made a lot of people want to get into paranormal investigating. And they don't take it seriously beyond wanting the thrill of it. Now, everyone with a a phone with a camera and access to YouTube or other social media platforms video themselves doing this so they can brag about how many likes they get. And they go hmm. into these places and they stir up activity and they do things wrong and something else creeps into our reality, something demonic. And they leave. And anyone who lives there or works at that location, mm-hmm. they're left with the aftermath, with the fallout. Well, sometimes they follow them home, don't yep. they, Brian? Have you ever yeah. heard of uh, stuff like follow following people home? Happen. Yeah, I mean, you've had that happen. I've had wow, that happen. Several of my team members have had it happen. And yeah, I mean, spirits are energy. Ghosts are energy. Energy does yeah. not have any limitations on what it can do. It can get into a car or an airplane and travel. It can travel just as if we walk or run. Mm. But, you know, the TV shows, it also made people want to make false claims about places being haunted, just so a TV show will come. It brought all the fruitcakes mm. out, claiming mm. to be psychics and mediums whenever they aren't. Mediumship, I think I said it earlier, is the most abused area of the paranormal. Just because yeah. someone is empathic, meaning that they can sense more emotion around them from other people. 
they think that, oh, I can communicate with the dead. And they talk themselves into believing it, or either they just flat out lie about what a ghost or a spirit is telling them. They're, I don't know, it's, like I said, it's done good, and it's also done bad. But they also talk about demonic activity in a lot of them, especially in movies. And I can understand that because mm-hmm. uh, the demonic is the big bad wolf of the paranormal. Oh, yeah, sure. It's what yeah. all the best TV shows and movies are all about. And the word demonic is used way more loosely than it should be. So, yeah, it, mm. it, I get so many calls. And people will be like, i got a demon in my house. Okay. Why are you calling a paranormal <laughs> investigator then? Mm-hmm. You should be calling a priest. Let us figure out if it's a demon. And, but they get so scared. And I figured this out yeah. long ago. They get so scared. And it's something they don't understand. And they had a negative reaction to it. So it must be a negative entity. Right. So we're going to attach the word demon to it. And that's where. Yeah. Yeah. Everything just kind of falls apart. It's the scare word. The scare you word. Know, yeah. What they use whenever they're scared. It is. And yeah. Not everything is demonic. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, I think that is a great place for us to land this plane, agreeing with that, that not everything is demonic, because I think that's just something that we all three agree on. And it needs to it needs to be people's thinking needs to be expanded, that there are other things out there that are paranormal that aren't always demons. Yeah. So, yeah. well, Brian, I, I appreciate you so much for coming on our show. Is there anything anything you want to? Add or didn't you have a story you wanted to tell? Yeah, yeah. We were talking about skeptics. Okay, yeah. Uh, one thing that we do in Mississippi Paranormal Society, and there's a lot of ghost hunting teams that do this, is we'll do the ghost hunting events where people can buy tickets. And right. every once in a while, we'll get a skeptic that comes. And coincidentally, one of my new team members, Kevin, his wife and her husband came, and her husband, I can't remember his name, he's just a full-time skeptic. Didn't believe anything. He was just there just for to, you know, to make his wife happy. She wanted to come. She believes in it. So we're going throughout the night investigating, and he's like not having any experiences. And now Southern Cultural Heritage Center, where this happened, Brandon, I think you're familiar with it. It's the former St. Yeah, it's the old St. Francis building. Yeah. Yeah, and the Cobb House next door and the Sisters of Mercy convent. And so we're going from building to building, and we we did the Cobb House last. And I set the spirit box up, had it scanning through the radio frequencies, and I put a mini mag light flashlight on a bed. And... I wasn't even really thinking of, I want to turn this guy into a believer, but I did something that I have done many times before in this house. And to me, it was the best way to get results. So I was like, I'm going to try this again. So I set that up 
and we start asking questions. And I had a list of like, I think it was like 15 questions. And for half hour, we went through those questions and we asked them in certain different ways. But I would say, okay, Mr. Cobb, if you are here, I want you to light the flashlight up. A few seconds later, the flashlight lit up. And nobody's around the bed where this is sitting on. I had everybody staying away from the bed. Several feet. No vibrations. Everybody's standing still. So I know it wasn't any, you know, the flashlight malfunctioning or anything. Right. And then a few minutes later, I would come back and ask, Mr. Cobb, are you still here? Will you speak through this device and let us know? And clear as day, I am here, came through that device. And it happened with other questions. We'd come back a few minutes later, ask the same question, but in a different way and say, speak to this device. And it would happen clearly. And I could tell he was just scratching his head going, what is going on? I don't understand this. <laughs> and afterwards, whenever we were saying goodbye for the night and everything, he said, I got one leg over the fence. I'm almost there. He said, I saw mm. stuff tonight I cannot rationally explain with a natural cause. Mm. And to me, that's just gold. Because it's, it's like becoming yep. paranormally woke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's steal that word back. Yeah, yep. Awaken, oh people. Yep. Yep, definitely. Well, Brian, thank you so much, bro, for uh, coming on our thank show you. and enlightening it. Yeah, and, and I appreciate it. And Man, it was a really fun, fun conversation. Hope to have you back. Yeah, yeah. It was like three, three people hanging out just talking. Yeah, that's what we like, man. Yep. That's Maybe that's I the fun one. Yep, definitely. Sometime. Hey, I might be open to it. I, I I know my son does. We'll go. We'll see. Well, thanks, Brian. All right, thank y'all. Thanks for listening and supporting us. And remember, stay naturally supernatural.